Patients can get relief from pain or overcome their phobias by immersing themselves in a computer-generated world. Is this a fantasy or is it available today? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lund, Director of Foothill Psychiatry and Foothills Foundation in Boise, Idaho. I'm your host and with me today is Dr. John Lowe. Dr. Lowe wears many hats, including Chief of Consultation and Liaison Psychiatry, Director of Psychiatric Emergency Services, and Associate Director of Psychiatric Residency Training, all at UCLA's Semmel Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior. His courses and lectures on technology have been a staple of the APA scientific program for years. He writes a bi-monthly column called Tech Advisor for Primary Psychiatry and serves on the editorial advisory boards of Medicine on the Net and MD Net Guide. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. John, it's great to have you here. You really are one of the world's experts combining computers and clinical practice, which leads us to virtual reality therapy. What is that? Well, virtual reality therapy is not just what we used to think of it as with the 3D goggles, you know, sort of staring into space, into the virtual world. Uh, Nowadays, virtual reality therapy really encompasses both that modality, as well as the online world, such as Second Life, which has become huge in the last couple of years. Tell us more about that. So it used to be that in order to do virtual reality treatment, for example, one of the things that would have been exciting is at the American Association for Technology in Psychiatry, which is an organization that I was the former president, we had many, many speakers who have done uh, research creating, for example, you know, virtual Iraq to help patients with post-traumatic stress disorder. And again, where the sort of prototypical, I need a headset and sophisticated computer technology to create uh, these virtual worlds to help the patients in their treatment. And in the last five years, as computer technologies have, have improved, this treatment has become even more sophisticated. I remember back at the American College of Psychiatrists meeting I attended where I first learned about virtual reality therapy, admittedly, the models of Iraq or whether it's flying an airplane were were somewhat crude, but they were effective. And nowadays, with the graphics cards and processing capability of today's computers, it becomes almost real. It's almost hard to imagine that five years have only passed and things went from sort of stick figures to almost Mm -hmm. print. But nonetheless, it's very interesting that they discovered that non-visual cues, such as sounds, were really important, and they actually smells. And so one of the things they've done is that you have a soundtrack of, say, the chopper flying or missiles flying overhead that really kind of create that that experience for the patient, uh, including the smell of, you know, burnt napalm, I suppose, (laughs) that helps the patient, you know, get back to that experience, and then uh, the therapist then has the ability to help the patient process the anxiety and the other feelings that they're having to move forward. And it's been proven to be very effective. Not only that, they're actually doing very interesting in the military things, such as what they call stress inoculation, where medics are using these virtual simulators to sort of see the kind of situation they're going to experience. Now, mind you, this is not to become so disconnected that they can't process, but to help them cope with 
the level of duress they're going to experience out in the field, that they're actually somewhat more prepared for it. So how do they get smell? They have these smell generators. I didn't see one. I was told about it. And I thought, wow, this reminds me of, you know, movies, actually, that not only were 3D, <laughs> but they also created smells as well. So. Wasn't it John Waters, I think, had I those think like that. smell-o-rama yeah. movies? I wondered if maybe I was behind. There was a smell card that you put in your, your PC and generate well, this way, I don't have one yet. <laughs> oh, well, if you don't have one, it definitely doesn't exist, right? So I'm a little confused. Do you go to a therapist's office to do this, or do you do it at home? Well, here's the thing. In traditional virtual reality therapy, you would have to go to a therapist's office. And in fact, there's actually several virtual reality centers across the country. The main company that I'm aware of is something called Virtually Better. They're based over in Atlanta, but they have actually partnered with other companies. And they have, I think, a franchise or two out here in California as well. And so actually in these models, the patient actually goes to the doctor's office, and and some of them, they actually put on the headset, and others, they actually use just like the entire wall, where they immerse, they project the images and sort of immerse the person into the experience that way. So sort of what they call a cave. If you imagine being in a cave and everything projected on the walls, it sort of creates that environment. And actually, in some of these things, they're even more sophisticated, where your hand movements potentially could then be interpreted by lasers and potentiators that you're wearing, say, in a special glove, and this can then interact with that virtual environment you're with. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is psychiatrist and technology expert, Dr. John Lowe. We are discussing virtual reality therapy. Now, John, let's say you have something that's, you know, maybe not life-threatening and probably not even codable for an office visit, say, hypothetically speaking, that I was afraid of, say, spiders. Is there a program that I can just buy at home and it'll walk me through spider land and help me get over it? I'm not aware of that one yet. But one of the things is that sort of similar, getting back to virtuality therapies, the new trend has been these online worlds, such as Second Life, that's the one that's gotten a lot of play. And therefore, in Second Life, you can create what's called an avatar, which is supposed to be a representation of you, whether it's, you know, realistic or fantasy-based, you can do both. It's very interesting, there's actually a research study in published in academic psychiatry where Peter Yellowies at UC Davis actually created a sort of virtual hallucination simulator in Second Life. So this is, again, people just using what they call avatars, looking at their computer screen, kind of going into this virtual schizophrenia simulator, where then you would sort of see things happen. Like, for example, the wall is coming in, you hear a voice saying that you're a bad person, and you should die, or you know, other horrific images that are in audio cues that our patients with schizophrenia get. Why would you want to do that? This is purely just an exercise in, in education. And so what happened was that anybody who had a Second Life account or avatar could go into the simulator. And then, of course, they were asked questions about does this expand their understanding of schizophrenia. And remarkably, a large number of people said yes. This is just one example, but virtual worlds can help our patients express themselves. Uh, one of my residents at UC Davis 
was actually using the game The Sims to help him sort of reenact situations that happened at home. And that was one way for him to um, express what happened at home in play therapy. So again, these virtual communities are really having a, a big impact for our patients, especially, for example, somebody who has, say, uh, panic attacks and they can't leave their house for treatment. Well, virtual therapy might be one way they can at least start the treatment there in the privacy and the comfort of their home, and then at some point migrate out to actually doing their treatments, you know, in the office. Boy, you know, it sure sounds like, you know, my background is in addiction medicine. This would be a great tool for helping people in substance abuse treatment deal with relapse triggers. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that, Leslie. Um, Virtually Better has a addiction module where there's like the virtual bar where you come into, people offer you cigarettes and drinks and You have to learn to navigate these things. Wow, didn't know that. How about the use of this in pain management? I remember there was a cancer fighter kind of game for youths who had, I think, different cancers. And the the game actually involved them being a sort of shrunken down to go into the blood vessels given, you know, a laser gun and going after and shooting cancer cells. Mm -hmm. I'm blanking on the name of it, but I'll, I'll come to me later. And... In this game, the patients, you know, felt more empowered to then have more control over their health situations, and they found that by using this and and being able to sort of see their score and things like that, they felt more empowered. The main goal they were trying to find, which they didn't get, was to see if their immune systems would be better because psychological involvement would help them. But it actually turns out that... The patient's need for pain medications or instances of sort of depression and stuff were a little bit less because they felt that you know they were actually actively involved in, in treating their cancer by fighting it specifically. My favorite one is one called uh, Chocolate World. If you've heard of that one, where they use that in some pain treatment programs where you get to live in chocolate land. Wow, right. right. <laughs> now, what about the downside of this? I don't know if you saw a couple weeks ago the Wall Street Journal article about a fellow who basically just lives in his virtual reality game on the computer and completely has ignored his non-computer life. Is that a risk here? Absolutely. I think that, you know, it's always hard to tell. You you hear about, this is actually usually more associated with the online and game uh, community. You may have heard of EverQuest being known as Evercrack, as an online game from Sony, where people have played to their detriment. And there have been reports, like in South Korea, where gaming has taken, has become like a major industry where people actually attend competitions where they watch people game and they watch them play online on the screen. And so there have been actual reports of some Korean youths who've gone to the local you know, internet shop, played the, some electronic games to the point of neglecting you know, eating and all these other things. So certainly there is a risk. But I think if you really look at the case reports, to my knowledge, there's only been a small handful of them. But certainly you know, this is not to be taken lightly. And again, it sounds like you really are in the hands of a therapist. You're not typically doing this out on your own. Right, and that's the advantage. Obviously, this is where I think, although there is some benefit to things like computer-based therapy where you have a DVD where you go through cognitive behavioral exercises to treat your depression or anxiety, by all means, I think having a therapist involved to monitor your progress is one of the keys to these different tools. Where can people find out more information on this? It's very simple to do some searches 
on the internet, but I would recommend, if I may, going to my primary psychiatry column online and then finding my virtual reality article, and they can find more links from there. Oh, great. So primarypsychiatry.com. There's a section for clinical columns, and then they can find my name and the tech advisor, and then they can find the article I wrote on that. And Dr. Lowe is L-U-O for those of you who are going to do that. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. We've been speaking with Dr. John Lowe, psychiatrist and technology expert on virtual reality therapy. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. 